0: Welcome to the Mechanics of Storytelling. In this podcast, we talk with different storytellers across various mediums about how they tell their stories in their chosen mediums the mechanics, the techniques, and the processes. Hey there! This is Ezra Justin Lee on the Mechanics of Storytelling podcast. Your host on this podcast, and today we have a special guest who's going to talk about his craft, which is making comics, writing for comics, illustrating comics. Eddie, on, welcome, Eddie.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to really um, to talk to you today because I was like looking over your previous work, and it's really cool to see like the progression. Um, but I'm also really just curious about like your kind of personal backstory because I don't actually know you that well. Like how did you get into all this stuff like comics zines
1: art so originally i'm self-taught as an artist i uh, learned over a very long period of time Mm -hmm. how to draw uh, things like perspective anatomy a sense of color and space yeah comics is just a a means of storytelling for me i've um, always liked the idea of just being a one-person shop creating these stories Uh, filmmaking, for instance, is very different. It's a large collaborative enterprise. And you you used to do
0: that with Edwin, one of our previous guests. That's right. Edwin is
1: a mastermind behind uh, uh, a number of short films that are created with a team of folk called Mm -hmm. Storycake. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. It it can be checked out on YouTube. But um, the storytelling process there was um, a bunch of different people who were friends of Edwin and me, who mm-hmm. then um, came together to create um, uh, a three-, four-minute short film around okay. certain concepts.
0: That's cool. It's like college friends or something like that? Yeah, it
1: together? so it ranges this gamut from college to law school, actually. So oh, that's awesome. This uh, law school friend of mine, Derek Duarte, was actually one of the main actors in two of the films. Oh, um, okay, okay. Even in my nonprofit work, there was uh, another person, D.J. Jennings uh who uh, engineered and recorded the sound mm-hmm. for the film as well that's awesome cool um yeah it's
0: I imagine it's somewhat similar in terms of like the storytelling but but anyway like I think the thing that gets me is like you're a lawyer <laughs> so you, you you impressed all about Korean parents <laughs> but you're also doing the creative stuff so you kind of get both like how did you retain that
1: well I like uh uh, teasing myself that I'm probably not like the type of lawyer a Korean parent would be typically <laughs> proud of. I'm a, I'm a non lawyer, unfortunately. Like, oh, you're, yeah. you're not the rich. No, no, exactly. Not. not buying a Mercedes-Benz <laughs> for the parent yeah. you know, on the first day after graduating law school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, non-profit work has been very fulfilling. It's something I did prior to law school and continued after uh, graduating and... Yeah. Um, Yeah. It it fulfills a very different part of my mind for me. Mm. um, Even the operation side of nowadays running a nonprofit, which I do in San Francisco. What's it called? um, It's called Brightline, Brightline Mm -hmm. Defense. We do primarily environmental uh, work. It's in both uh, policy and legal realm, meaning Mm -hmm. that uh, it's not only about trying to advise on, say, like the constitutionality Mm -hmm. of uh, workforce development policy, a local hiring law, Mm -hmm. to uh, drafting, say, uh, legislative provisions in a piece of uh, legislation that may, for instance, incentivize solar on top of rooftops. Um, So the skill sets that we have to bring to the table, they range the gamut. It can be anything from legal research and analysis to straight up community organizing wow it's
0: a lot more than i thought which is i thought it was mainly like advocacy stuff but it sounds like you guys are doing a lot more than that so that's pretty interesting that's right cool does it is there like a tie-in with um your creative work and then your professional work
1: i would say the community work does inspire me um in the earlier work that uh, uh i did it was more uh peripheral um the comic stories i've created to date i've always liked to see uh and think of them as uh, personal to be but not necessarily directly autobiographical Hmm. Uh, so
0: like somewhat fictional yes
1: Okay. Uh, so heavily fictionalized actually so Hmm. for instance um there was a series of comic strips i created called sidewalk empire yeah um actually published by hyphen magazine which is uh magazine geared for asian american audiences
0: oh that's like formally known as like is it formerly korean or asian magazine no it was always known as it's hyphen, always hyphen? Oh, okay yeah.
1: and then um it was run under a larger umbrella organization um acre i believe bu- or uh mm-hmm. i'd have to look up the name of the umbrella organization again mm-hmm uh but what i wanted to say was asian americans for civil rights and equality acre mm. um i think that's only one part though of the large umbrella organization if i remember correctly yeah but um yeah so sidewalk empire for instance it's a story of uh talking turtle yeah. and uh this person trying to create a specialty coffee cart yeah. and they yeah, run I around a question yes
0: is it when I was reading it, I was like, "Is this based on Edwin?" Oh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not. It seems like it's actually like based on like a part of you. Is that? Well, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: the character physically somewhat resembles me, and yeah. perhaps Edwin on a level too, because yeah. he's wearing glasses all the time. Yeah. Um, the tur- talking turtle is actually based on my grandfather. Oh right, uh, right. Who right. Uh, was a very uh, smart man from all accounts. He. Okay. This is my grandfather on the maternal side, who. Um, graduated from Seoul University, uh, was a translator for uh, American generals during the Korean War. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, he was very intent on building a business empire of sorts, Mm -hmm. um, but never quite made it in the way he wanted it to. Yeah, And so the comic strip is very much about the rise and fall of a small empire (laughs) unto itself around specialty coffee.
0: Yeah. Like these these uh guys have it with a coffee cart trying to make an empire in SF. Yes. Exactly. I love that. I love how you're like drawing from your personal stories and then from your personal history. Like seeing those connections now as you're explaining it to me, it it is kind of like retroactively very moving and I'm seeing like all these connections, it's which is which is really cool.
1: I'm glad you do. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Um yeah, thanks for sharing that with me by the way, like a couple, few weeks ago. Yeah. It was really a treat to read. Yeah. My pleasure. You you wrote them like over the course
1: of like a few years, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, The Avenues and Streets, it's basically a series of comic strips strung together as a smaller zine. So a zine being a hand-stapled booklet mm-hmm. um, that collects a larger narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comic strips themselves were published individually uh, probably uh, toward the end of the heyday of the webcomic era. So mm-hmm. webcomics used to be very huge. Um, publishing on a consistent schedule, say, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. And so the storytelling as a result um, is very uh, uh, focused around um, a punchline at I the see. end of each three-panel strip. There will be always uh, some kind of humor that's yeah. uh, trying to build up toward. Yeah, I noticed, actually,
0: what you were doing in some of the um, sequences in Sidewalk Empire, there were a bunch, like, a series of three-panel uh sequences and in each sequence yes. it, it seemed like it was like its own self-contained uh, episode that's right but then when put all together like collated all together it was actually part of a story was that intentional
1: yes it was uh so it's done toward an eye to try to create a larger narrative as well so mm-hmm. characters that will appear in one single strip yeah. will reappear in slightly different ways yet familiar to the reader so hopefully the reader will retain some sense that these are characters that they can attach to mm-hmm. as they read it every day. Yeah. That said, we live in a very different media era nowadays. So mm-hmm. trying to create a more sustained narrative has always been the challenge in comic yeah. strips. Because um, I, f-
0: I feel like a lot of the social media platforms now, like namely Instagram, they lend to very like punchy, short form uh, storytelling. That's right. It's, it's just harder to tell like, serial things, right? Yes, it is. Um, very much so. But I feel like that's a good hybrid to. To have these short form, like, pieces of content, but be able to string them along over, like, the course of many of these. Yes. That's that's kind of cool. Maybe it'll lend nicely into, like, Instagram and stuff.
1: I hope so. So the, the newer stuff is trying to both work within a more typical comic book medium, mm-hmm. um, like the Wish the World material that was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was told, so to compare it against just what's known as, like, the three or four panel comic strip, comic books themselves are told as page narratives. In the mm, bigger industry, as yeah. people now know through Marvel, DC, superhero yeah. movies, so comics around, say, uh, your well-known characters, Batman, yeah. uh, Green Lantern, Superman, etc yeah. cetera. Those uh, comic stories are told usually in like a 20 to 30 page narrative where the story moves from page to page within the context of a monthly issue. Mm. Um, and that was the intent of uh, Wish the World was trying to create longer narratives that could move and didn't wasn't necessarily forced into telling a punchline yeah. at the end of each comic strip.
0: Did you? What would you call that? Like the panel form or like the comic book form? Comic just book just, form. Comic book as yeah. opposed to just comic strip. Yes. I see. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I like that because now that I think about it, I can't really think of like. Batman or Superman comics, I don't think I've ever seen them in comic strip form. I've only almost always read them in like comic book form.
1: I th- uh, thinking about it, I think Spider-Man, for instance, had a newspaper comic oh, strip Oh, like form. growing up, maybe. That's right.
0: yeah, yeah, that's a good point.
1: And then there's only a handful of... Um, because back in the day, newspapers were widely read too Yeah. Uh, in the paper format that nowadays um, uh, circulation has gone down a lot. So there's yeah. not necessarily as much of a built-in readership uh, to enjoy uh, uh, superheroes in that format.
0: Yeah, and maybe there was another one. It was like Prince Valiant or something like that. Yes, that's right. But, you know, to be honest, like it was hard to follow. Yeah, Dick Tracy. But it was hard to follow if you're just kind of um, coming in as a viewer or a reader just out of nowhere without any context. You kind of have to follow it from the beginning, it seemed like. Because when I did try to read them, I was like, this is not interesting. (laughs) It's just one part of a whole episode. Mm -hmm. So... Anyway, it it does seem to lend more generously, kindly, uh, smoothly into the comic book form. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, But, okay, so you went to college. You went to law school. When did you learn how to draw? Because you're pretty good.
1: (laughs) In between. I I would say uh, the art didn't really pick up up until about four or five years ago. Um, Like since today? uh, Since today. Wow. Uh, The evolution. It can actually be seen on Instagram.
0: Mm -hmm. But...
1: um, the evolution of it really was just sitting down late at night and forcing myself to uh, draw intensively for hours at a time. Just to which, like practice? Yeah, to continue practicing, which I really didn't have oh. that kind of time while studying uh, at law school. Um, so it was like a lot of self-learning, huh? Yes, it was. Did you
0: like use like online videos and stuff? or
1: uh, Video... Tutorials um, have only come into vogue recently, actually. Uh, The past couple years? Yeah, let's say the past couple years, but not in the period where I really started intensively. I, I would say the iPad has been really helpful as a device. Yeah. So studying photos from the iPad. Um, and then trying to draw from them and then re-correcting myself uh, as I go along. Uh, Nowadays, I've noticed people draw even directly onto the photo itself digitally.
0: Mm, Like tracing kind of? Yes, exactly. And then
1: reinterpreting... Uh, the image, the photographic image in front of them. Yeah. My work is mostly done by hand, so it's. Oh, always... you don't do the tracing. No. Uh, it's done in a way that I'm looking at the rough outline of the image mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to capture, say, the joints of a figure. Wow. But it's not literally tracing the figure. No.
0: Wow, that's really impressive. I, I used to really like drawing, and I used to think I was really good. But then I realize, oh, what I'm doing isn't drawing. It's it's actually just tracing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the, the imitation <laughs> yeah. of a figure.
1: And then cartooning itself uh, and illustration is all about the interpretation of lines. So sure. the thickness of line can also add emotional weight mm. to even subtly the way you're trying to tell the visual narrative. Yeah. Uh, so that's why with my tools that I use, there are technical width pens that I use. Like for the pens. iPad? Uh, no, this is just um, ink pens applied oh, like to analog. paper. Oh, Yes, and then uh, I will also use brush pens, which also add its own sense of flow. Wow. Um, uh, It's almost, uh, so in the art of calligraphy, for instance, there's the weight of the brush that adds a feeling to a character and then Mm -hmm. tells uh, a different type of visual narrative within language itself. Sure. Similarly for uh, cartooning and uh, when you're interpreting objects, Mm -hmm. uh, scenes, figures, it occurs very much in the same way
0: will you take my love will you take my love, take my love? hey there this is Ezra your host in the podcast and we'll be back in just a moment so stay with us cuz you should know that i love You should know that I love you As a younger
1: man Time. I've always drawn since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, Grew up in a liquor store. uh, Mm -hmm. And my parents often had a lot of scrap paper around that I could doodle on. I see. So you needed to occupy yourself. Yeah. There were long hours in the store that my sister and I would just hang out. And then we would try to figure out ways to amuse ourselves. Um, At the time, it was just drawing with office variety pens Mm -hmm. and pencils, but nowadays uh, tools have become slightly more sophisticated, and Mm then uh, the art has become better because of just the sheer amount of hours I put into the craft.
0: Yeah, it's cool to see like homegrown talent, so to speak, without like the formal like training, and to see like the product of that. I think. it seems like what you did was you just kept trying it. You just kept tri- 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 trying to like copy what you were seeing and then it got better and better and then you learn new things on the way as you're doing that. It's, yeah. It seems like very natural.
1: Uh, yeah, and part of it comes with uh, intense self-criticism. Uh, so <laughs> oh did, yeah, the deep Asian yeah. guilt, embarrassment, <laughs> shame. Oh, <you> got <laughs> Gotta do bit. better. Yeah, <laughs> You have uh, 97 on your test. Where are the other three yeah. points?
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> but uh, nowadays looking at back on my older work it actually is uh painful at times because then mm. i'm noticing small things like oh the neck on this figure is a little too long it looks like a, mm. this is not a human being this is a giraffe you know <laughs> in see. my mind but you're like criticizing to critis- like, and trying to, to figure out how to do it better for next time
0: It makes sense yeah well I, I also wanted to talk about your forthcoming work uh would you, would you mm-hmm. characterize it as a zine as a comic book how would you introduce it
1: more as a comic book, okay. I think uh, this work uh, that I've been working on for the last three years now uh, is really uh, the life and times of doing uh, being a nonprofit worker mm-hmm. uh, in the Bay Area. It starts out in Oakland Chinatown, where I uh, was an after-school programmer in Oakland Chinatown, and. Uh, then fast forwards to today in 2020. So uh, it's about a 15-year uh, narrative that's mm-hmm. now solely going to be released uh, both in print version and through social media.
0: Oh, awesome. Uh, what are you... Is there like an agenda behind the story? Like you're trying to propagate some kind of like political message or something with like environmental advocacy or is it more like you're you're sharing this personal story that you think could be meaningful to people who read it?
1: I think it's meant to be a uh, very personal story at the end of the day. Um, And there is a sense of um, an agenda in the comic. I won't deny that. But it's more to act as, um, in some ways, a how-to guide to Mm. uh, do this kind of work, which is very uh, unique Mm. Uh, most people, when they think of lawyers, they, they have the uh, conception of someone going to a courthouse with a briefcase in hand and oh, yeah. arguing before a jury or a judge. Um, or the other uh, typical concept of lawyers who um, uh, graduate from law school is that they go to work for a big firm behind mm-hmm. a desk and um, they work at a computer all day. Yeah, But it it doesn't have to be either of those options. It can be... Mm. Uh, blend of other skill sets, other community groups that you interact with. Sure. So, uh, for for instance, um, the volunteers that go through my nonprofit, mm-hmm. I'm often um, trying to explain the nature of the work, uh, the institutions and community stakeholders that my nonprofit engages with, mm-hmm. um, and this is meant to be uh, a story that hopefully uh, creates a pathway for someone who wants to do that in the future.
0: Yeah, like, it's possible, here's a story, maybe I'll move yes. you, something, something like that. Yeah. And I know you draw heavily from your own personal life, but again, is it a fictitious version of
1: your, your yourself, your character, your persona? So this current work that I have been doing, yeah. it is meant to be directly autobiographical. Oh, wow. That's a pretty big, big pro- difference, right? It is. How and do you it,
0: feel about that? Is it, like, scary?
1: Awkward, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> um, apprehensive yeah. uh, to a good degree, and partly because I, I've always liked, in terms of storytelling, fiction as a lens to create uh, clean narratives mm-hmm. that you can know exactly how something begins and ends and um, craft the story along the way to suit uh, the uh, the audience at the end of the day that you're trying to reach. Yeah. Um, with this current work, I still don't have a clear sense of the end, which is very mm. different. Um, and then I know generally where to begin. Um, and I think the advantage I have now, the the reason why I'm bit able to create this kind of story now is that uh, I have been doing nonprofit work for such a long time mm. where I have a clearer sense of... Uh, better narrative moments um, to draw out and then um, explain to the audience about what's happening. It would be hard to do that in the moment. And um, what I've realized in this work is that uh, people who you think are part of um, a larger movement may or may not always be in line with that movement too. And that's an interesting observation um that's a very human
0: kind of experience emotion feeling to have i think
1: and people's motivations change over time too and the environment changes as well so i try to be as of an understanding of that as possible
0: in terms of like how you constructed this i mean you're drawing from your personal life and so i guess you didn't have to like ideate the story Mm. you can kind of draw from existing material which was probably helpful because you could identify what Story you wanted to tell, but uh, how did you actually go r- about configuring the story itself? Because you're not going to include all the details, especially if they're not going to like add to the story or help uh, guide the story in a certain direction, right? Could you could you like walk me through that a little bit?
1: What I try to start with is a single strong visual image in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a moment of say someone uh, playing foursquare in a mm-hmm. playground in Oakland Chinatown, mm-hmm. or a picture of dumplings. Uh, being eaten on the spot the way this particular comic is structured is that it jumps back and forth between two different time periods any single self-contained short story Mm -hmm. and each short story will be roughly six to ten pages Um, and the way it signifies that time shift is actually through a different use of color through different tones that are applied to Hmm. uh, whatever moment that uh, either the characters involved are in or the mm-hmm. objects being focused on so that's part in. of the design uh, yes the intentional design of the narrative and so it's supposed to create somewhat of a timeless feel yeah. to the comic and also a sense of how things change how things evolve as well
0: but i'm really curious too like how did you go about planning the visual elements of the story because there is a kind of s- kind of set medium in that there are these panels that are part of the pages of the comic book and you get to like even configure the sizes of these boxes or decide what goes into these boxes how did you think about that
1: Uh, uh, so that's one of the large advantages of the comics medium is that Mm -hmm. it's not like film where there's a set ratio you're always filming in Uh, with comics you can change easily the Mm -hmm. size of a single panel to stretch to the entire page to focus on a third of the page or half the page. Um, You can even create diagonal panels. You can create different shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. And part of that is hopefully to uh, uh, create a larger emotional impact for your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can use the space within the panel too to indicate uh, uh, emotions such as, say, like loneliness, Mm. engagement, generally... Uh, hopefully uh, a whole other range of emotions too that can then um, be part of the visual storytelling. Mm
0: -hmm. So like working with like the space or maybe it's like a lot of space if you're lonely or like um, you're you're working with like really tight spaces if there's like different emotions like anxiety, some kind of of like claustrophobia. Claustrophobia, exactly. So I like that. I like how it's like coming together with uh, the feeling that's being portrayed in the story. Yes. Yeah. I I also noticed you mentioned that you weren't really sure how the story was going to end, which is interesting to me because usually I think about the end before I tell any story, yes, uh, h- h- is is that usual for your way of thinking, or how did that happen?
1: So I am a big believer in crafting the ending first yeah. in most stories. I think the advantage of this particular comic is that because it's sectioned into smaller short stories, mm-hmm. I can think of the endings for those smaller short stories within the comic within book. the co- larger comic oh, book. Oh, interesting! But I'm still unsure as to how the larger comic book will end. Wow! Um, and uh, the sum, I'm hoping the sum aggregate of the parts mm-hmm. will be more important for this style of storytelling than rather than a grand tada finish mm-hmm. to the comic book. But yes, uh, I think that's one of the larger um, struggles I've been grappling with. With Wish the World, for instance, which is still to this day only a two-issue uh, comic series. The what intent, are the previous works? Uh, the previous works are Sidewalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I've created a series of comics also Mm -hmm. in college as well that were then compiled into a larger volume. Oh, cool. Um, But
0: Wish the World is your most recent one,
1: right? Before, yes, the current uh, work that I have been doing. And typically what I've done to uh, promote the work is I've structured an art show around Mm -hmm. the release of each comic book issue. I think the challenge for Wish the World was intended as somewhere between a 10 to 12 series arc with Mm. the ending already uh, fleshed out in my mind. I see. I wasn't moving quickly enough, I think. uh, To produce even a single issue took me somewhere between a year to two years. Wow. And that's why I moved into this new format of short stories, which I can produce uh, and then publish, hopefully, a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, I had the privilege of kind of getting a sneak peek of your forthcoming work, and that's surprising to me that you didn't have the ending finished because it did seem like there was... I don't want to ruin it for people but it seemed there was some intention so this is very interesting to me all that to say
1: and then the other thing to mention is writing uh, I've always believed uh, so the art in a comic uh, is always very important Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't have to look like um, a a master renaissance painting or anything along those lines Mm -hmm. there has to be Though a consistency to the way you're creating a visual narrative that the audience will accept, so it can be uh, there can be great comic strips with just stick figures, for instance. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, for something like this, it's taken me a while to develop its very specific style. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, writing first and foremost uh, is, and should be, uh, the most important part of a comic. Like uh, the story, the, the story content, for yeah. me. So what I try to do sometimes in creating an anchor for. Uh, Stories is focus on specific lines uh, of dialogue, of uh, narration. So there was, uh, you might have noticed this in an earlier draft I had sent you a bit around hope and Mm -hmm. the notion of hope. Yeah. Uh, So in this particular short story, uh, it's about trying to uh, work toward a theme. Like what does it mean to uh, have hope around, say, community? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have work uh, uh, in the community uh, and then figure out how to serve that community best um, so
0: that must be really hard to do especially because you have to be concise there isn't that much room for text that's right and that's, in fact you're yeah. not writing
1: a novel at the end of the day no, too No, uh, no. you have to be uh, very precise in the way you word mm-hmm. uh, whether it's dialogue or narration mm-hmm. um, and yeah there's There's always a risk in turning off the audience by trying to do too much exposition, too.
0: Exactly. You don't want to explain too much. You want to give them just enough in a concise way to get them wondering, but also to have them figure it out on their own so it's not like on the nose, right?
1: That's right. Mm.
0: It sounds very difficult. Uh, Um, Constant honing process. Yeah, yeah. Like the art itself. Exactly. Something you can develop over time. I think I want to try uh, try my hand at some comics. I've, I've been kind of inspired I by like to see going through your work. So we'll see how that goes. I'll start with stick figures though, just because the, the artwork's not developed, but maybe the story. <laughs> I'll start with the story. <laughs> uh,
1: again, all that's needed is a consistent illustration style that yeah. the audience will accept. You know, it, it probably wouldn't look great um, if you created a, a, a very precise copy, for instance, of a horse mm-hmm. and then... In another moment, you were just doing kind of a stick figure yeah, like human being next squares. to it. Yeah. Unless
0: that was like your intention, the contrast.
1: Right? Exactly. The storytelling intention to yeah. be like, here's an a, a <laughs> illustration drawn <laughs> by uh, a master in the yeah. field, and then here is just a stick figure drawn by a two year old child. Like, as there was real drawing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not trace stuff. <laughs>
0: Hey there, this is Ezra, your host on the podcast, and we'll be back in just a moment. So stay with us. Oh my darling, I told you all my lies and you trusted me still. I think another point that's really salient to me after like looking at your forthcoming piece is that it's it's not just different because it's autobiographical but because you're an asian american you're korean american yes. it, it is about being korean american in yes. in america in oakland in california whereas the other ones i don't think they delve into that as much for example like uh ciudad loteria which is your second issue of wish the world i really liked it for different reasons because i resonated uh, with how the story delves into like topics of addiction uh dependency and that kind of thing mm. but i noticed there was a shift is is that was that intentional to focus on that it uh, was. ethnic experience
1: and that's um, maybe a different kind of theme that I've um played with in the prior work to date so identity is important to all the characters within mm-hmm. the fiction that I produced but it's not necessarily central to the story itself hmm. um so while for instance you'll see characters slip in, in and out of Uh, different languages Um, it's embedded into the way um, they move on with their lives day to day Mm -hmm. Uh, the characters are not proclaiming (laughs) from the rooftops about their identity right Um, and they don't necessarily do it in uh, the current work either Mm -hmm. but it's very much more central to the story again it's more about the different diverse communities that exist throughout the United States yeah Uh, and how we all interact with each other in a system. For sure. I'm curious, though. Uh, so you mentioned uh, there was a theme that spoke to you specifically yeah. about Wish the World. What? Uh, so the comic is meant to be um, a framing around addiction mm-hmm. and uh, the way, for instance, we interact with um, social media with yeah. communications and then of course a main protagonist has its own uh, gambling addiction but yeah what, what else spoke to you about it
0: well i i really liked it because of those reasons and i could re- like resonate pretty closely with the experience of addiction going through recovery and i think that that for me in itself was a hook just because like oh i have vested interest i want to find out how this guy resolves his obvious addiction to gambling because I want to know the answer. Like, I want to be healed of my own addiction. So that's that, that was kind of the hook. And that was kind of the stakes for me as a reader. And as I got to the end, it was... The thing I appreciated most about the ending of that was that it wasn't... As a reader, I didn't feel, like, belittled. Hmm. I didn't feel like, oh, everything's so easy and it ties up nicely into a bow. Like, there was still a sense of danger. There was still a question mark, which makes uh, room for wonder. But at the same time, there was some kind of payoff uh, for having invested your time and energy into seeing like the journey of this one character who who has an addiction problem, right? So I thought that was really beautiful and something that I found moving personally because for someone like me with my kind of neuroses and like problematic ways of thinking about substance abuse or otherwise, it's that I want I want immediacy in all things Mm. I want resolution, but I want it now. <laughs> I don't want it like in a couple of days. I want everything now. And so I think the thing that I took away was um, yeah, maybe that won't happen. And it was a reminder like, oh, yeah, that is true. Some things do get resolved right away, but sometimes they don't. And then the other thing is like seeing a story that's similar to what I'm going through was existentially important in the sense that I'm not alone. Like there are stories like this in the world and I feel represented and I feel like it's going to, a little bit more than before reading it, like it might be a little bit more okay now.
1: I really like that. I like how you've connected to the story on your own terms, which Mm -hmm. I think is always important. Um, We live in a world of instant gratification. And that's, I think, one of the challenges, both for uh, audience members now reading stories, Uh, We're used to, for instance, binge-watching entire seasons of TV and a weekend. And how do we connect to a story if we're consuming so much information Mm -hmm. in a short period of time? I wonder, does it even become sticky at a certain point? I wonder these things.
0: Yeah. And I'm really curious to know what other people's reactions are because my experience is very specific. Mm. Like I was able to vest... To in, into this character into the story for very specific reasons but i'm i'm curious to see how other people respond like where, where could other people like access these stories if they wanted to
1: they can simply direct message me on instagram oh, yeah? and yeah i'll mail them a copy okay uh or it's very old school or uh, i do table at uh local zine fest local comic festivals as well yeah um uh, promoting the work and then just telling people about it on the spot okay um And they can always appreciate it in a very different way on social media as well.
0: Mm -hmm. You said you're opening up an account on social
1: media to um, distribute your work. Is that right? The hope is to create an Etsy account to sell, uh, for instance, illustration prints that Mm -hmm. I do. I think um, illustrations uh, that are posted on my current Instagram account, EHA Comics, are uh, very different. They're kind of like one-off images. They actually don't have dialogue accompanying them. Hmm. It's more about... (laughs) the viewer's connection to say uh a rat for instance climbing a tower of firecrackers <laughs> um, it can be um so much uh, more than just like the story that's being literally told to the audience mm-hmm. um the other thing to note about these comics too is that tonally to speak to what you were talking about earlier and the way you connected to it they uh meant to be very different from each other the two main story arcs to date again being sidewalk empire yeah. and wish the world yeah sidewalk empire is meant to be a very uh grim uh, um, take on the world yeah uh, i didn't expect that fundamentally pessimistic despite mm-hmm. you know a talking turtle being in the comic uh most uh children have tried to connect on it just based <laughs> on that level
0: the anthropomorph- it, anthropomorphic yeah exactly fun. Um, animal character,
1: But then they don't realize uh, necessarily the turtle's frustrations yeah. and um, travails in mm. life. Uh, wish the World, on, on the other hand, is meant to be much more optimistic, hopeful that, you know, we have these obstacles in life, but maybe we can get through them with enough yeah. perseverance, too.
0: Could I ask you about your previous work? Yes, uh, please. I'm curious, like, how did you think about the characters? How did you think of the storyline for these characters? And how did you think of the universe? Because... There's some familiarity with our world, our universe, like in real life, like oh, that's a sidewalk, oh, there's a president that's like vaguely fascist, stuff like that. Like, but it's not our world, right? So I'm curious, how did you ideate How did you come up with that stuff?
1: A lot of it's meant to be a refraction of our current world, um, and the the central characters themselves, um, they're often. Um, stemming from uh, my own family members, for instance, mm. the talking turtle stemming right. from my grandfather. Um, there is a angel character who was based on a friend of mine from college to okay. some degree. Wow! And uh, it's not a carbon copy of uh, those uh, folk. It's meant they're just meant to be inspiration, mm-hmm. and then I've developed stories around them that um, yeah. basically fit around themes. So the way I first approach. Um, the comics is twofold. Earlier I mentioned that the single image is really important to me to try to anchor it. Mm -hmm. And then a single line of dialogue as well, um, in terms of writing. So usually there's a singular moment, in other words, that I really try to focus around and build the story around, but also themes like trying to explore, uh, what does technology mean for humanity and, uh, what does, um, if we could change, for instance, the world with a series of fantastical wishes, mm-hmm. if teleportation happened, if uh, the guns in the world stopped working, yeah. if pennies were eliminated as a unit of currency <laughs> in our world, <laughs> yeah. would the world really be a better place? Right. I think the reader is meant to just kind of explore that along with the storyteller.
0: Yeah, I love that. It is like whimsical, but it's also like... I could see how traceable it is to your, like, line of thinking and how someone could think of these things because they're, like, things we wonder about all the time. Like, oh, I wonder if something else happened instead of what actually happened. So I think that's really cool. And it's also cool to, I guess it's more encouraging than cool, to be able to see, like, oh, you came up with characters, you came up with stories that were actually part of your lives. You weren't reaching so far. And that just makes it accessible to people who are starting out or trying to craft their own things. It's like, use what you have. There's like power in your stories and it's, it's obvious in your work. So that's kind of encouraging to hear, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Well, um, I think we're getting close to time and as you know, and as some people know, we like to end with kind of fun spiritual questions Mm. to just mix things up a little bit. Oh boy. So this one's a, it's not a really big one. What do you think Eddie is the meaning of life? No pressure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. I'm still not sure. That's a bit of a cop-out answer. Mm -hmm. I have to... I can tell you what I'd like it to be uh, beyond. Uh, I'd like it to be beyond the idea of just simply making money in our society Mm -hmm. and achieving scale. Those are two concepts I've been thinking a lot about.
0: They kind of go hand in hand. Like technology, capitalism, money. Yeah.
1: And they're not necessarily evils unto themselves it's more about the idea of trying to seek out a balance in our society yeah and we just haven't figured that out as of now we live in an age of high anxiety uh and i think it is true of all folk involved it's true whether you're young or old or Hmm. rich or poor uh what identity you claim in terms of race gender political affiliation yeah what i try to think about is how can we build community in a better way which Mm -hmm. is why uh, the art has become a lot closer to my non-profit work lately and is there a way in which we can simply move um toward each other without trampling over each other
0: i see when you say your art's getting closer to your work do you mean like the work of bringing people together of building community and yes. it's kind of uni- that unifying theme is showing up in both your work and your art. Yes. Mm. I think that's beautiful. I, if I had to reduce it down to a few sentences, it would involve words like community and coming together. Because I think those are at the heart of love. And I think that's really important. So thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for your time, for being on the show.
1: No, thanks for having me on. Yeah. It was good talking to you.
0: Oh, and Eddie, where can people find your forthcoming work and maybe even like your historical works via social media can you can you tell the audience where they could find that maybe
1: yeah it's uh, available on Instagram primarily Uh, the handle is EHA comics EHA comics my initials Mm -hmm. and uh, it can be also enjoyed on different platforms as well I do maintain a Facebook account and a Twitter account as well
0: but the main one and maybe the one that you the main one might be Instagram and through Instagram you can find your other accounts is that correct that's right Thank you, Eddie. No, thanks, Ezra. Okay, thanks for joining us today. And please do leave us a review and rating in iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, special thanks to Eddie On. You can connect with him and check out his comics at the Instagram handle at eha comics. That's at eha comics. And if you want more information on our, our podcast, you could visit us at mostpodcast.com or on our Instagram handle at the handle at most podcast. Okay, thanks. Bye.